First, it should be noted that traditionally, Pharisee was not a synonym for bad person or morally inept. As the Pharisees have constantly taken the position of fall guy in so many of our gospel stories, we interpreters of scripture, and when I say we, I mean all of us, we run the risk of instantly seeing them as taking the wrong path. The truth is the Pharisees, as a bunch, were not necessarily bad people. They were committed to making the observance of Jewish law, which was often out of reach for the poor, available to everyone. They took a liberal view of scripture and they tried to make their teachings accessible to everyone. I probably would have liked the Pharisees, truth be told. And conversely, because Jesus chose to hang out with tax collectors and prostitutes, we have come to sympathize with them, the honorable downtrodden. In each parable where a tax collector is mentioned, we assume that that person is taking the better path, the one that Jesus approves of. And because of that, the tax collector must be the more noble of the pair in today's, in today's parable. But the truth is, tax collectors on the whole were a bunch of swindlers, collecting not only the unfair taxes imposed by the state, but also their own share from those that they preyed upon. They were more like the modern-day mafia than the IRS. They were, generally speaking, turncoats and bullies, not the kind of people you'd want hanging around your children. And yet... When we hear this parable, we instantly fill in the movie screen with the hard-hearted, self-serving Pharisee and the humble, gentle, repentant tax collector. Because that is what Jesus meant, after all, right? Maybe, but not quite. Jesus is using these extremes to illustrate his point. Everyone would have known the good Pharisee. And everyone would have known the nasty tax collectors. If the religious Pharisee can get it wrong, and the ne'er-do-well tax collector can get it right, then perhaps there's a message uh, for here for us, for everyone in between. Our friend the Pharisee, he's not a bad person. He's a leader among his peers. He's generous with his resources. The problem in the eyes of this parable, is not his observance or his piety, but it's his own inability to understand the necessity of depending on God for everything. How true is that for each of us? It's so easy to believe that because we work hard and because we are nice to others, Because we come to church and we say our prayers, we are more worthy of God's love. That we deserve everything that comes to us. We have earned it. Unlike that misfit over there. Clearly lesser, dirtier, more sinful. He's not so much a good guy, that tax collector. Certainly not a leader in the community. Probably not so generous. But in the parable Jesus offers, this character, usually associated with all things smarmy, changes the game. He prays with an eye to his dependence on a merciful God. 
He prays with humility and with honesty. He prays simply. But the simplicity of his prayer should not mask the difficulty inherent in praying it. God have mercy on me, a sinner. It's a prayer that puts control of our lives and of our well-being where it belongs, with God. And that's a great leap of faith. It should be our intention each Sunday morning when we say our confession. The confession in our Book of Common Prayer, like so much of our corporate worship, is a communal act. We do it together, confessing the sins of our community against God and against the larger world. But it's also an individual conversation between each of us and a God who loves us. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you. And how? In our thoughts and words and deeds, in our actions and in our failure to act, in our decisions not to act in love, to, love of neighbor and love of God. It's easy to line up as a laundry list our sinful behaviors in our heads and tick them off one by one. Okay, God, I uh, cut someone off in traffic. I lied to my mother. I said something really nasty about my boss behind his back, even though he deserved it. Forgive me, please. Amen. Then we can leave church feeling better about our own piety, knowing that we, unlike those who slept in this morning, have been forgiven of our sins because we showed up to ask for it. Amen. But it is something else entirely to go into confession with a heart ready to turn back to God. With a full understanding not only of what we have done to turn away from God, but also the ways we have put our trust in things earthly and not put our trust in God. When we go into confession this way, with our hearts wide open, ready to be scrubbed clean, and with our lives ready to turn towards a God who is waiting for us, we will accept absolution with, a, with gratefulness and with humility, perhaps even with relief. Our sins are forgiven. Our goodness is from God. The thing to remember about those whom Jesus chose to avoid is not that they were unpleasant folks, but that their perception of their own goodness and their own piety overshadowed the work of God in their lives. They believed themselves in control, and they believed that their actions made them more holy, more loved, more forgiven in the eyes of God. And Jesus knew that that just wasn't so. The thing to remember about those whom Jesus did choose to hang out with is not that he chose to hang out with an unsavory crowd of rotten people. The thing to remember about those particular prostitutes and tax collectors is that they were genuinely repentant. They were open to turning their hearts and their lives. 
They knew they didn't get it quite right, and they looked to God for help. And when they were freed by forgiveness, they were grateful, and they praised God. The truth is, we are forgiven. God forgives us more times than we can sin. If we are, we are forgiven, but it is when we come to understand our own lack of agency in that forgiveness that we do nothing to earn it. We have no control over it. That genuine humility takes the place of spiritual pridefulness. Order then is restored in our lives with God as the primary mover, God as the motivation, and God as the reason for our being. Amen.